Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. Happy New Year to you. First words of 2020. John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See, look, what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. As you think about what's coming this year, you are loved. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are the much-loved children of God. It's good, isn't it, to know that and And then to know that we wake up each new day with a reason, like a purpose that's worth getting up and chasing as we follow him into a life of love. As he says, now as you've been loved, go, love the people around you. And so that's our passion. If you're new to our church family, it's really what we're about, following Jesus into a life of of love. This year, our focus is on one thing, and this one thing is, is really important from the standpoint that if it's really out of this one thing that all, everything else flows as we seek to follow Christ. And the one thing is to live in close proximity with God and to be drawing close to Him, seeking Him, pursuing Him, dwelling in His presence day by day, step by step, moment by moment. And so as we get this new year started, we're going to start it with a three-week refocus on one thing. Each week has a different uh, emphasis. This week it's paradigm shift. Next week it'll be the, the uh, energizing possibility. And then the following week we'll, we'll be talking about the pathway to live this out. So excited for where we're headed. But first, before we dive into our text for the day, need to uh, hit a, this is like a, a team tradition we have that picked up a couple years ago that's been so helpful as we follow Christ together. And it's the, the sheet. These should be in front of you in a chair. If not, if there's a, a bunch in the back at the guest services area. But this is our, we call it our disciple training plan. And then if you flip it over, the disciple challenge for 2020. So disciple meaning follower of Jesus. Our mission is to help each other become fully devoted followers of Christ. And this is like a, a workout template. The, uh, the training plan there, you see the five, what's it mean to be a follower, fully devoted follower of Jesus? And we talk about five words, worship, reach, connect, grow, serve. Five corresponding habits. The habit is not the point, but the point is a transformed heart that, that it allows us to follow him and, and live out the calling that he's put on our life. So first page, you have the habits and the heart change that we're, we're going after. And the heart change being a love for God, compassion for those who are far from him, a love for each other, a growing faith, and then a growing humility as we serve him. Flipping it over to the next side the disciple challenge, you have the one word, weekly reading, and then monthly theme verse. The one word is a really neat idea that we picked up a couple years ago from this book by Mike Ashcraft, where we asked the question, where is God working in my heart to change me to be more like Jesus right now, and what's he trying to do through me? And if there was one word to sum that up, what would that be? And so we pick a word, we connect it to a scripture that we just uh, groove throughout the year, and then it keeps us focused and keeps us centered on what God's doing in us and then through us, and it's so neat. It's a way that we, we share this one word with each other, you know, in small groups and stuff, 
But um, God has used this. I know in, in our lives next week, we're going to have two one word, or uh, one for sure, one word story that's playing out in real time. And so how many of you have already picked your one word for the year? Got a, several of you. Awesome. We, uh, we're going to, we have this week to pray over it and to pick it. And then next Sunday, hopefully, will be the day that, that we all have our, our one word. We're ready to go. The weekly reading is our 52 bits of scripture that paint the, the meta-narrative of scripture. Great thing if your small group doesn't, you know, what do I go through in my small group or if you're meeting for someone for Bible study, coffee, whatever. This is a great uh, way to see the whole Bible. And then the monthly theme verse, we're, we say, okay, this year let's go after 12 core verses, groove them in our minds. And these verses align with our theme for the year, one thing, but also the, the preaching diet. Not always super close, but somewhat close to, to what we'll be preaching through on Sunday. So it really helps all this information move from information constipation to actually information metabolism, and we, we live it out as we put God's Word into to practice in our minds. So are you guys in? Everybody in? I see a number of college students getting ready to head back. Hey, you guys can join us too if you want to, but uh, this is... Our, uh, and grab one of these. Grab, I'm going to carry two with me, one in my journal, one on my nightstand. So take as many as you need, and we'll go after the Lord together. Okay, one more thing to cover before we dive into the text is, I love, it was an I love his church moment this past week as I opened up my email early in the week to read an email from Julie Randall, who's the executive director of Family Promise, which a ministry to homeless that we partnered with over Christmas week, and she said this, I have been doing this for a few years, and we have never had such a wonderful week at a host church. Our families really felt like part of your family. They all truly love Jen, speaking of Jen and Matt Drakowski, who lead this ministry, and everyone at the church. I know you all put a ton of effort in, and it was super appreciated, and this is the one that just hit me hard. She says, but it was also just who you are as individuals and as a church. And you know, that's the prayer, isn't it? That God, we don't just want to be good people. Or, I mean, people who do good things. We want you to change us to have your love. And we just do good things because it's who we are. And to have someone on the outside looking in saying, that's what I see, was an answer to prayer. And, and she goes on to say, um, the impact you all made with these three families will last a lifetime. Please know how much you are loved in return. And that left me just thinking again. I love his church. I love our church family. And thank you, thank you, thank you for the part that you play. And for those of you who served and, and just loved on these families through the Christmas holiday, our Lord was glorified. And, and we're shining. So let's shine on as we get ready for 2020. And that brings us to today. Here at the start of this new year, I know on the personality spectrum, you have people way over here who are like, let's go, and other people are like, oh man, here we go again. But <laughs> I think most of us would say there's something about new beginnings, fresh beginnings, blank slate, new year, that just moves us to say, okay, let's go, go after this thing. We know Jesus said, you are the light of the world, looking at us, so therefore let your light shine so that all people would see your good, good works, your good deeds, and glorify the Father in heaven. So we say, okay, Lord. What is it you want to do in me to make me more like you this year? And then what do you want to do through me to make me, uh, to live out the good work that you've created me to do? And when we see it, 
what's our normal response as humans? When, when you see it, you get your one word or you get your, your calling for this year from God. Like, these are the good things he's calling me to do. Our response is, let's go climb that mountain. Let's charge it, right? Let's go. Let's get up, get, remember the ant dance out of Proverbs chapter 6? Let's get up, get busy, get it done. Get up, get busy, get it done. Get up, and we take off to go do for God. And what's the danger? As we set out to go do for God, we, we stop being with Him. And, and it's, we drift into a mindset of self-reliance. I'm going to change myself. I'm going to go be like Him, and I'm going to go do for Him. And we drift into self-reliance that leads to crash. And here's the picture. It might have been, it was one of the top three lessons from the sabbatical this summer for me. I woke up one morning like a kid on Christmas morning because it was bucket list day. And for over 30 years, I've dreamed about surfing a monster wave in the Pacific with the people that I love. And it's been on my, it's on my list. And thanks to your generosity, allowing us to go out there and take the time to do this. We had four days at Surf City, Huntington Beach, with the people that I love, my family, to attempt to surf the monster wave together. And this was it. So I woke up that morning and all fired up. Now, I knew this was, uh, there's something to surfing. I've been preparing all my life for this, riding skateboards and skiing and all that stuff. So I thought my balance is good. But, uh, but I knew surfing's hard. And I did find out, you like, to get up the balance piece, the surfboard's always shaking, right? And so demonstrate the the toughness of this I was we were watching YouTube videos and so the guy's like okay what you need to do is try this you lay down basically this is the board and you go from your belly up to upward dog kick out the leg that's going to go out and then here's the move you have to do in one motion (laughs) I was way too wide I'd I'd crash on that so I'm like man that's going to be tough so I put it in my ab workout every day for two weeks I'm doing 20 of these things. I go home and, hey, Chad, can you do this? Pop, he's up in one time. I needed training. I put myself through it, though. So on that morning, ready, baby. Let's take this thing. So we go out, and I am telling you, beautiful sight. This way, it wasn't one break of waves. Huntington Beach has two breaks all the way down the beach all day long. It's not like it gets quiet. It's just surf heaven. The first break is where the swimmers swim, and it's about a three- to six-foot break but they don't want the surfers there because you can run over the little kids and what have you. So you have to get out to the second break, which is like six to bigger uh, size of wave. And so we, we uh, jumped in there with our surfboards and we start paddling out. And we found the first day we really didn't do any surfing. The first challenge is getting through the surf. It is really hard to get out to the second break on a flotation device when you can't touch the ground because the surf just keeps pushing you back. So it was a little discouraging to go home that night like, well, we almost made it to the waves, <laughs> but, uh, but we, uh, we chalked it up to, you know, this is part of the learning experience, and um, Tam said, asked a crazy question. She said, hey, what it, would it make sense for you guys to go take an hour's worth of lessons? And somebody who knows how to do this, and like, babe. Lessons? <laughs> We've been preparing our whole life for this. And so, no, that's, we're not going to do that. So we wake up day number two, and our big goal was make it to the waves, make it out to the second break. So we're fired up, and sure enough, paddling like, 
felt like an Olympian. Kept thinking about Team Richardson family. Like, just get out there, get out there, paddle. Well, good news is we made it to the second break. The bad news is by the time we got out there, we were so exhausted. We didn't have the energy to turn around, catch the wave. And that wave, when you're looking at it face to face out there, is a lot bigger than when you're on the beach looking out at it. <laughs> and I am telling those waves just crushed us, crushed us. And they're the kind of waves that just roll you up, spin you around, spit you out on the beach to try to go back and do it again. And so um, I wrote my journal that day. This is like learning how to walk on the back of a bull. It's just hard. And I was a little discouraged until we went down to the pier to have dinner that night. And we, I said, we need to sit, sit here and watch these professional surfers surf off Huntington Beach. So we watched him, and I saw it. It's like, that's not that hard. You know, just tweak a few little things. You know, just pop right up. And so I'm thinking, I can do this. We'll, we'll do this tomorrow. We'll get out there to the waves. We'll implement what we learned from these guys, and, and we're good. Well, as we woke up to go ride the bull that next morning, fired up, Tam asked that question again. Hey, I noticed down the way they were uh, giving lessons, and would it make sense for you guys to go get an hour's worth of lessons? Like, Babe, no, we got this. We're almost, we've almost learned it. Well, Chad and, and Jess had some success, and... Uh, <laughs> I'll give you a, here was one of the highlight moments. This is about as good as it got. Picture a Chad. Jesse and Chad put this video together for us for Christmas. But uh, I think it's trying. But I can tell you. So there's the, the break. That'd be the second break. There's the first break. This is the first break way with Chad. He makes the movies up. Won't show you the rest of it. But <laughs> so. And there, so that's first break. The next one is, is on out. Well, partway through this day, Chad's down, down at the, uh, taking him way down there, and he asked a lifeguard, where's the best place to learn how to surf? And the lifeguard, without missing a beat, said, not here, not now. You're at the wrong beach. <laughs> These waves will, will mess you up. But like, oh, boy. So uh, once again, Tam suggested, let's go down. Get, get lessons somewhere else, and I confidently assured her we're good. <laughs> and once again, I spent the whole day drinking salt water, and I, it was one of the most humbling experiences to get to the end of those three and a half days, and I, I did not surf a wave. I, I just got smashed and crushed. And so as I'm sitting there on the couch in our hotel room with the bags packed, waiting for everybody else to get ready to go, I'm reading how to surf, and I read this article that says, not all beaches are created equal. If you're a beginner, it's essential that you find a beach with beginner waves, which are, they're called four-foot rollers. So they're about that high, and they just roll out real gently, and you get the fill for it on these things. And then the, the person said, if you attempt to surf, be, learn, try to learn how to surf at the wrong beach, it can cause serious injury and possibly death. <laughs> to which I thought to myself, I won't be sharing this with Tam. But, uh, <laughs> but the, the big takeaway for me, and it, it was huge, it was just like the Lord said, John, look at you. Humble yourself. Listen to your wife. Take a lesson. <laughs> what was my problem? It was self-reliance. It's this thought of, I can do it. I can do it. I got this. I can do it. In the physical realm, it can be 
a big issue, but in the spiritual realm, how much greater the impact when we think about what God has for us for eternity. If we seek to, to do what he's called us to do, be what he's called us to be, do what he's called us to, to do in our own strength. And so the, uh, this, this coming year, I was thinking, as, as we set out to go, do for God, the most important move, the first move, is not to go, but rather it's a paradigm shift where we hear the, the words of our creator as he gathers with his followers, as he's about to send them out. In John chapter 15, verse 5, here's Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and it's that idea of dwell with me, um, abide in me, live connected to me. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Fruit being the, the good works that he's created us to do. But here it comes. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a hard reality to really let go from head to heart, isn't it? Apart from me, spiritually, you can do nothing. But what's he say? So his plan for us is to bear much fruit. If we'll remain in him, abide in him, walk with him, he says, it's going to happen. You will bear much fruit. I picture the, uh, this coming year, the, the waves of opportunity that he's going to bring our way. And the opportunity to get up on those and ride those with his love for his glory and be a blessing to the people around us. If we remain with him, we're going to bear much fruit. It's going to happen. We're going to ride the wave that, that he calls us to, to ride. But if we attempt to go it on our own, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. The waves of opportunity will crush us. This coming year, self-reliance leads to failure spiritually. Every time, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so the first move for 2020 as we set out to become like Christ and, and to live out the good he called, calls us to do is to, to make this paradigm shift, which is simply this, apart from him, I can do nothing. Apart from him, I can do nothing. And as we see it, what's that drive us to? Drives us into his presence. So my one thing this year is to dwell. Why? Because apart from him, I can do nothing. To live close to him is essential. In his presence, he gives us his empowering grace. He gives us the strength that we need. He, he cleanses our hearts, cleansing grace. He transforms our hearts. And then he empowers us as we set out to, to follow him into life. Now, this paradigm shift is not easy, is it? It's one of those that for, it's just not natural to move from self-reliance to dependence. And to think of ourselves as really not being able to do this apart from, from someone's help. And so to help us make this move, we're going to look at the message that Jesus gives that some have said that's the best sermon ever preached, but Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. And what's fascinating about this, what we're going to look at today is how Jesus starts the message and then what happens right after the message. If you check it out, verse 1, I mean, verse 3, start of the message, Jesus says, blessed, blessed is the idea of happy, and it's bigger than happy based on circumstances, but a deep well-being Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Matthew, when he says kingdom of heaven, synonymous is kingdom of God. It's living in the realm where, where God is 
reigning, and it's something that we can experience even today. It's a challenge because it's, the kingdom of God is invisible, but God calls us to live in that as we live under his, his care, under his um, authority. But Jesus says, the way that we experience the kingdom of God today is, is one way, to be poor in spirit. This is how you enter. This is the way to experience his kingdom in real time as today and as we go into 2020, to which we say, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? And it's a, an intense word for poverty. It's as, the word he uses here is not just like I'm out of, I ran out of spending money or uh, I'm even, you know, falling on hard times and struggling to make budget me, make ends me for, for the budget, but rather it's total destitution, bankruptcy, and no capacity to, to earn money. It's, uh, and you say, well, what does that mean in the realm of being poor in spirit? It's living awake to the reality that apart from God's grace, we have no resources to fix what's broken within us, to become more like Christ, or to do what he's called us to do in a way that's pleasing to him. Um, as Paul says, even our best moments, our, our best deeds, our best good works are like filthy rags before a holy God. Apart from the cleansing, transforming, empowering, and empowering grace of God, we are in complete spiritual poverty. And the picture is of a beggar, and in this day, back in Jesus' day, a beggar that had leprosy, who leprosy was a, a disease where you were, you were an outcast, you could not work, and you couldn't heal yourself you were just complete, utter poverty. Now, when's the last time you thought of yourself like that? In, in terms of before God, an ability to change your own heart, and then do what God's called you to do. <laughs> Wake up and like, okay, this is me. I am completely bankrupt of any resource to change what's broken inside or do the good. I, I know until I studied this this week, that hasn't been, I don't gravitate towards that view of myself. <laughs> I like to think of myself as the Captain America version, you know, and I can do this and I can charge this. And, but what's Jesus call us to? And what's the first thing right here? He says, guys, if you, the way into the kingdom of heaven, the way to experience the kingdom of God is see your utter bankruptcy, poverty apart from him. And then you hear Jesus say, guys, as you go out to do for me, there's one essential, and it's abide with me, remain with me, dwell with me, because apart from me, you can do nothing. So then Jesus, if you track through this message, it's interesting what, what Jesus does, just skimming it. He goes through the rest of the Beatitudes, and then, then he says, you are the light of the world. So let your light shine. We get fired up around that. But right after that, Jesus says, looks at the religious leaders and all the people of the day, and he says, I've not come to abolish the law of Moses, but rather to fulfill it. So as we think about doing the right things with the right heart and being the best that we can be and being good, Jesus said, I'm coming to live a perfect human life. And we know he did. And we know what, we have the rest of the story. We know why he did, so that his perfect life could be attributed to us imputed us is the theological term but when we put our faith in him we get the credit for what Christ how he lived his life but then he says this and this might be the most depressing 
verse in the entire message, and if, you were, if we were first century listeners, this would have messed us up. This is the tension point that creates disequilibrium as he's talking, and it's verse 20. As he says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness, being the right, doing right things with the right heart, surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. To which we're thinking, okay, the best of the best that, in that day were the Pharisees, teachers of the law. And he, Jesus is saying, if you don't live better than them, become better people and do better things than them, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. You, you won't experience the kingdom of God. And everyone around saying, how in the world can I be better than a Pharisee? And Jesus said, I'll tell you, here's how. You have heard it said, don't murder. I'm telling you, what God really requires is don't even be angry so that you call someone a fool when they cut you off at the, uh, on your way to work. Okay, I got to work on my anger issue. We pull out our thing and we say, okay, I got it, I got it. Good, better, best. Let's go. Fix my anger issue. And then he says, you have heard it said, don't commit adultery. I tell you, don't look lustfully at a, a woman. And if you do, that's adultery in God's eyes. We're like, oh, no. I got to fix my lust issue in 2020. Here we go. You have heard it said, and he goes on with giving. He goes, you know, when you give, don't give so that other people will see you. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. It's, you're, you're giving, and you're really promoting yourself, and you're giving. And you're like, oh, boy, you got me with my pride and my desire to impress other people. So I got to work on giving without trying to impress other people. Got it? 2020, here we go. Right on down through the list to the last where he says, now, if you put these words of mine in practice, this is what you're going to be like. A man who built a house, and when the storm came, that this, the house stood. But if you don't put these words of mine in, into practice, here's what you're going to be like. A man who built a house on sand, and when the storm came, the house crashed. And what do we all do after that? Woo! Glad I'm the first guy. I put the words of Jesus into practice, right? No. We're not the first guy. That's the point of his message. Jesus didn't preach this to say, hey, here's what you need to do. Go try a little harder. He preached it to say, you can't do it. You're broke and you can't fix yourself. Your house is going to crash. What was his message? You need a Savior every moment of your life. You need a Savior. That was the point. And say, okay, where's that take us? Back to the first sentence. Blessed are the who? The poor in spirit. And what's it look like to be poor in spirit? It's a person who says, I need a Savior. To change this broken heart, to do the good that, that I'm going to do today, apart from His empowering grace, I'm toast. It's like me walking to Huntington Beach thinking that I'm going to surf one of these monster waves apart from someone's help. But guess what happens next? And this is the coolest thing I hadn't noticed till this summer. What's the story right after? God has Matthew write a moment, freeze a moment in history that happens right after the message that pictures what it looks like to be poor in spirit. Check it out. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, the crowds followed him. But a man, a man, one guy, prays to him. It's a man with leprosy representing our sin issues. He kneels before him and he says this, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Picture of his 
poverty before the Lord. And Jesus, Matthew, or Mark tells us Jesus was filled with compassion, reaches out his hand and touches the man. I love the picture of God's gracious touch. You know, we talk about dwelling with him and um, granted he doesn't touch us physically these days, but, uh, but just that, um, like our brokenness doesn't keep him from being with us and entering into that. He touches the guy and then Jesus says, I am willing and here's our hope and here's the gospel. Be clean, be clean. And he cleanses him. Immediately he was cleansed from his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone. And notice where the go happens. The go happens after the cleansing. Now go and worship. Go, go uh, offer these sacrifices. And ultimately, what was the point of his uh, going was to be a testimony to the priest of who Jesus is. It's shining. He's like, go be a light. Where does the go happen in our lives? As we set out to go live, go serve, go do what God's called us to do. It happens after the cleansing as we are with him and we pray, pray, Lord, cleanse me. This is the area of my life that I need your touch. Heal me, cleanse me, and he is faithful to do that. And so here we are at the start of, of 2020, setting out to, to chase our goals, to, to go be and do. But what's the first move that God calls us to? The first move is a paradigm shift, and it's a counterintuitive one it's to see our poverty as we set out to go it's to just say I, I know apart from you Lord I can do nothing it pushes us into his presence prioritizing there's one thing that matters and that's this coming year it's not that I go attempt great things for God it's that when I go out to the, go walking across the beach to surf that wave I'm walking with him step by step with him and then in that, he will give me what I need to, to seize the opportunities and, and do the good he's called me to do. So here's the good news, you guys. This is, the, uh, so this is kind of, we focus on the, the poverty of spirit, which is important. But if we will see ourselves as needing him and dwell in his presence, the good news is this. What did Jesus promise? If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit this year. Isn't that an awesome thought? Picture the waves. God's always churning up waves. Opportunities for us to go do good in his name for his glory, to go shine. How do we ride the monster wave? If we will abide in him, if we'll dwell in him, we will bear much fruit. Meaning, you're going to go love some people this year that you didn't think you had it in your soul to love. And God's going to put his love in your heart and you're going to surf that wave. You're going to forgive. You're going to... Um, you're going to go do something bold for him this year. Reach out, share your faith, care about people who are far from him, and God's going to put a spotlight on them and just be like, i got to pray for this person. And then he's going to open up a door for you to share your hope with them, that there is hope. His name is Jesus, and he's, he's going to lift you up out of some despair where uh, you're, you're in a valley, you're in fighting through some depression or, or whatever that may be, and as you meet with him, he's going to be the one that's going to provide this, this, this truth lift you up and, and help you go. For those of us who battle worry and, and you're struggling to like get out into the, uh, to try something for him or whatever the, the opportunity may be, he's going to uh, set you free from the, uh, the worry that may be hanging on to your soul. As he, he, there in Matthew 5, he talks about those idols that often hold our hearts at bay where we, we hang on to our time, we hang on to our 
reputation. We hang on to our money. He's going to say, hey, um, let me have those. And we will move to other levels of surrender or greater levels of surrender and be free with our, our time, our money, our reputation in ways that will, God will use for his, his glory and for the good of the people around us. God's desire is that we live in his kingdom. And I picture somebody just surfing, one of the good surfers, surfing that wave and just the joy of just hitting that wave. And and then I picture that in the kingdom of God, doing who, being who he calls us to be, doing what he calls us to do. What do you call that kind of person who's just fully alive and in sync with what God has for us? You call that person a citizen of the kingdom of God enjoying their residence, <laughs> right? We're in his kingdom now, but, but are we enjoying his residence or our residence as his, his citizens, the way he created us to do? And I picture that joy for us today and, and for you guys as we go out. What's our first move this coming year? God has some things he wants to do in us and through us, but our first move is that paradigm shift. Apart from you, I can do nothing, pushing us into into his presence. One thing matters most, and it's to dwell with him. Proximity is everything. And so, on this first Sunday of the year, I love it that we begin with our eyes on Christ through communion. And this is a time that we look to him, and as we take the, the elements of communion, the bread and the cup, Jesus called us to this and said, when you... T- When you eat this, remember me. The bread represents his body that was broken for us on the cross and that he gave as a sacrifice so that that we might have eternal life for those of us who trust him. And then the blood was the the atoning sacrifice poured out in our place. And as we take this bread and drink this juice, three things that guide our our time of prayer and communion with him. The first is we remember our deliverance. We remember our salvation. And I encourage you just fix your eyes on the cross and remember that this is how much God loves you and rest in his love. Jesus says, don't ever lose sight of of my love for you. Second, it calls us to look ahead. Jesus said, the next time that that I'll celebrate this will be with you and with when I'm with you. Um, in the place that he's prepared for us, and it's a chance just to look ahead and think about that dinner that we'll share with him face to face. And it's, we raise the shade. We, we, that's our hope, isn't it? Hope, home is not here, home is there. And so I encourage you just look ahead, even beyond, maybe 2020 will be the year that we enter his presence if he comes for us. And then the third one is we renew our commitment to take up our cross and follow him. As he gave his body blood, we say, Lord, here's my body blood. Here's my life. It's yours. And empower me to go do what you've called me to do. As you look into his eyes, may I also encourage you to think about what the leper saw when the leper looked up into the eyes of Jesus. Mark told us he saw compassion. And then Jesus reaching for him and saying, be clean. And if there's a part of your heart that's, you know, it's not right before him, it needs cleansed, may I encourage you in these moments to ask him to to do his work work that only he can do. We'll hand out the elements and we'll uh, have the scripture on the screen. You can read through that. And then when you're ready, you can just go ahead and eat the bread and drink the juice in time. And I'll pray. Father, 
we thank you so much for the gift of life and life with you and thank you for your word that instructs us and just the promise of of your presence with us too Lord and that you desire to to dwell with us and as we start this year Lord let that be our one thing help us to to see ourselves as poor and bankrupt apart from from your empowering grace as we set out to to follow you this year Lord we thank you for the sacrifice that you gave for us as you gave your body to be broken on the cross thank you for your blood that was poured out as the perfect atoning sacrifice for our sin that through faith in you Jesus we receive eternal life and forgiveness Lord as we take this bread and this cup we pray your blessing over it and that you would bless us that we might go be a blessing to the people around us this coming year for your glory pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.